small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Wait, talk about hot stories. I don't think there's anything as hot right now as this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, We just, the news was just breaking last week as we were uh, discussing all things Star Wars and Disney on the last episode of Rebel Force Radio. So we've got a little more time to digest it, uh, us and as well as those in the traditional and the mainstream media Breaking it down, seeing what this could bring to us as Star Wars fans. We've got more of that coming up on this show. We will uh, be getting into our speculation as to what an Obi-Wan Kenobi series starring Ewan McGregor and potentially directed by Ewan McGregor could mean to us. Also, uh, we we, we talked about this last week on the show. It was brought up uh, Otis Frampton, and he's a, uh, a comic book writer and illustrator. And we mentioned him alongside our discussion about Tusken Raiders and what that culture is like. And that led us to talk about this uh, uh, pitch that uh, Otis has had sort of ongoing. He's doing these great uh, sort of mock up covers of what a Jawa Adventures comic book series could look like. Uh, He's going to be joining us in the cantina. So we were talking about Otis. Otis reached out to us. And, uh, and he'll be joining us later on in the program here. And what program is that? It is Rebel Force Radio this week's show for August 22nd, 2019. So great to have you with us. Man, oh, man, there's always so much to talk about these days as Star Wars fans. So you're in the right place for Star Wars conversation. And uh, with me, as always, to do that and so much more, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Jason, I am totally on board with everything you were saying. You were preaching to the choir. There is so much great Star Wars news to be talking about with D23 coming up this weekend and all the rumors about Kenobi, the Mandalorian, the Rise of Skywalker, and the future of Star Wars. So we are really looking forward to uh, what's happening in Anaheim this weekend. And we're going to get together and talk about it next week on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, Don't look at us to be breaking any news because you're already going to know all these hot news stories by the time our next show comes out. So I think we were talking about maybe doing a listener feedback show and doing live calls uh, possibly on YouTube next week. So stay tuned to our social media networks and, of course, RebelForceRadio.com, and we'll be putting all the information there if that's the direction we're going in next week. Of course, always in motion is the future. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, looking forward to D23. A couple of uh, quick housekeeping notes here I have. Uh, Number one, thank you, thank you, thank you to loyal Rebel Force radio listener and 
Patreon community member Matt Rashid. A lot of uh, people know Matt's name because he is often a host of Rebel Force Radio Q&A with myself. And uh, we were talking about some cool action figures and customizable action figures. And Matt scored himself a 3D printer and created for me a couple customized three and three quarter inch light bulb droids from the Lars Homestead in a new hope, AKA the two X three K P R perimeter security droid. <laughs> and this is a weird, I've always called it just simply the light bulb droid because what it is is basically a treadwell, a lower part. And then instead of having that stock with the weird uh, binoculars on top of it or whatever, it's just a, a light bulb. And you see it rolling past Luke and 3PO oh, yeah. in A New Hope. Right. Yeah, the light bulb droid. And you see it yeah, rolling past uh, Luke and the 3PO as they're uh, trying to find R2 in the dark. He had run away in A New Hope. And uh, you see that thing going by there, and it was something that always caught my eye and captured my attention. So Matt created for me a 3D printed uh, action figure of that droid. So thank you, Matt. That's awesome. And, and uh, Jason, didn't somebody finally uh, take care of your retro vintage action figure Jones? Oh, my gosh. Yes, 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 indeed. So if, if you're uh, new to the program, you may not know that I uh, kind of went on a, on a little rant because I was just so upset that these retro vintage action figures this series of six figures uh that harken back to the days of uh, 1978 when uh star wars action figures were brand new onto the scene and i was just so annoyed that they made these very very difficult they started out as a um uh as a target exclusive and it was right around father's day and I was really frustrated because despite the fact that, um, you know, they, they were so much promotion, there was so much hype coming out of Star Wars Celebration, they were still ridiculously hard to find. And they, they actually buried them in the clothing section of Target. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And then they would say it like you'd say, well, I'm looking for this. Oh, did you check the clothing section? Now, Jim, you were ahead of things. Yeah. But at the time that you made this discovery... And announced it on the show. I was. It, I happened to be out of town. I wasn't able to be on the show, and uh, it was when Billy Mac was was filling in for me, and I so I missed it. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't pick up on the cues that they were back in the clothing section, the men's clothing section. So well, yeah. Um, yeah, I went on and I I, I complained like I do, and um, I we, we there were several that reached out, um, but uh, Eric. We'll just, I, I don't want to leave it, give his last name, but Eric, we'll say Eric, Eric with a K. Um, he had reached out and he said, well, I've got these. Um, are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'm absolutely interested. And he said, look, I just, all I want is just, you know, what, what, what I paid for him. I want the retail price. And I said, I don't, I don't feel right about just doing that. You're going to some trouble. I mean, obviously I'm going to take care of shipping. I want to use a little something extra. So I sent him a little something extra and I should have sent him more because what I got, it wasn't like a, you know, a, a, a used Amazon Prime box with some tissue paper or it stuck. He shipped me a sealed case mm. from Hasbro 
never opened of all six figures. I, I'm like Homer Simpson. Yeah. I was blown away. He never Mickey said Fresh. that. He never no. said, well, you know, uh, mine could command a little bit higher price because they're the minty fish. <laughs> he didn't do any of that. He didn't extort nothing. For all I knew, he was just throwing six figures into a box, throwing some tissue paper and shipping them out to me. And what I got was so much more. And man, oh, man, I, I'm just so indebted to him. So thank you, Eric, very, very much. You know who you are. And they are. So what I want to do is I want to get some actual uh, pegboard for the Rebel Force Radio Studios with some pegs. Mm-hmm. Very inspired by YouTuber Michael Mercy, mm-hmm. uh, who has the 80s Toy Museum and what he's done is he's kind of made it look like you're going back in time to his toy store in the eighties. And he's got all of these vintage figures on card. And, and some of them are, you know, re-releases like uh, anniversary editions, retro vintage, but they all have a very eighties uh, uh, original uh, vintage vibe. And he's got them hanging on pegs. And I just love that look. So that's what I think I'm going to do. Uh, courtesy of Eric uh, and inspired by Michael Mercer. By the way, uh, if you're on YouTube and 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 looking for some great stuff, go over to uh, Rebel Force Radio's YouTube. No, yeah, of course you got to go to Rebel Force Radio's <laughs> YouTube channel. But after that, check out uh, Michael Mercy, or yeah. he's got some great stuff and a good friend of our of our show here. But anyway, that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do with those because those figures on those cards are just screaming to be hanging from pegs. Yeah, well, and I also like the fact that it's instantly interchangeable where you can change displays on a whim when you have a pegboard without having to worry about putting more nails into the wall or thumbtacks or whatever you use. I do know that uh, there's one guy who's going to be very relieved to hear that you finally scored these retro vintage figures, and that's uh, our video game expert, Barry Harmon from SegaBits.com. Oh, uh, Barry, one that made sure that you were taken care of. I feel so guilty because, like, <laughs> Barry combs all the local stores in uh, Chicago, most notably uh, in the west suburbs and closer to the city. And uh, he's on top of it, and he scored for me, but he didn't score for you. And uh, thus leading to a swank meltdown on the show <laughs> that has, uh, you know, stung uh, poor little, you know, Barry. He's a... You know, he's a young Aww. man with feelings. He's very sensitive about uh, making sure everyone has all the action figures they need. So he'll be... Uh, I was just hanging out with him, and uh, we did a big RFR Patreon meetup at the Galloping Ghost Arcade, the world-famous, world's largest video game arcade in Brookfield, Illinois, on Ogden Avenue. And uh, RFR Patreon member Bob Pasco was visiting Chicago this week from Atlanta, and he wanted to meet up at the Ghost, and that's what I do with RFR Patreon members and any Star Wars fan who wants to hang out and play some vintage video games. We meet up at the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield and uh, have a good old time. They have great Star Wars games there, et cetera. And so when I hear about somebody coming in from out of town, I uh, put up the bat single, and local Star Wars fans come and hang out. Uh, Barry Harmon was there. Chris mocked. Do you play like the the, the Ewok horn, the do 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 do, and then all of a sudden, just all over the greater uh, Midwest, uh, comes everybody onto I, the galloping you know, ghost. I, I, dude, I have to upgrade to that Ewok horn because what I'm using is the uh, Gungan thing from uh episode one where it's like 
That's not nearly as cool as the uh, Elon. <laughs> it's like a didgeridoo, you know? And I'm such a failure at it. <laughs> uh, you need that Ewok horn, man. Yeah, I don't have that. But so, yeah, we had a, a great crew of Star Wars fans, uh, local to the Chicago area. Barry Harmon, Chris Mock, Tyler Page, and Brian Klein. We all met up and hung out with the Galloping Ghosts and moved over to Brixie's, where we drank many pitchers of IPAs until last call. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah, oh, oh. Billy Mack would have been there, but he had to work. Oh, oh man. And, and, and so we're, we're letting everyone know on our uh, Patreon page when these happen again. And uh, there's a lot of... Uh, people who are Patreon members who also live in the Chicago area. So we're going to have a good old time. You find yourself coming into the Chicago area on business or what have you, reach out and we'll have an RFR meetup. And uh, those are always a lot of fun. I so. need another take at Galloping Ghost because, as you know, my, mm. my one and only Galloping Ghost experience, uh, we had a real downer with us that day. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. night. And so I, yeah. I, I need another take. Yeah, we had um, Debbie Downer was with us. And yeah. Jason, you ended up having to babysit Debbie Downer all night long. <laughs> and that took you out of the game, man. I did. The only thing that was good is I had uh, uh, Sheldon's uh, boy Chase with me. And he was trying to sort of, uh, I think Chase was with us, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chase was. was with us, and he was he was he was trying. He was trying. There's another good guy. Love, we're gonna uh, make it happen again. We'll yeah, make it we happen are. again. We and we we we. I would love to do it for your birthday, but your birthday oh. is next week, and I don't oh. know if we could get everyone together. But I, I just want to take a moment to say happy birthday, Jason Swank, here on yeah. Rebel Force Radio. Uh, I hope you get a lot of uh, great Star Wars stuff, and of course, sugary treats on your birthday, because I know you have a real sugar tooth, a real sweet tooth. So, uh, happy. Birthday, Jason. Thank was you. That, very uh, the, much. That's the twenty-six, correct? It is. It is. No, it's not even close. I am as old as Star Wars. So whenever yeah. Star Wars has a big birthday or anniversary, it's 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 mine as well. So I'm happy to be tied to that. It's like uh, Harry Potter tied to Voldemort. Mm, you know. So let's that see. Star thing. Wars came out in 1977. So that means you're 10, 20, oh, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> So I got a sweet tooth for birthday cake, uh, but I also got a sweet tooth for big Star Wars news. So let's get right into it. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. So the whole entertainment journalist industrial complex is a buzzing. And of course, Star Wars fans all over the country, all over the world, rather, uh, rejoicing at the news that the abandoned Obi-Wan Kenobi film or trilogy, as it was sometimes being reported, uh, that was apparently canceled after the uh, less than stellar performance of the solo film uh, has been given new life as a series on Disney Plus. And that was breaking news last week. We mentioned it in passing, but let's sort of uh, maybe Break it down a little bit more. Let's start with the Hollywood Reporter. Now, Hollywood Reporter is drawing some interesting conclusions. Um, but before we get into that, I think in all fairness, we should really talk about what has been officially uh, what is what is official and what is not. And, and the reality is Lucasfilm nor Disney have confirmed this. I, I am correct in this. Right, Jim? At this point. No, I mean. Sources, 
Big sources like Variety, like the Hollywood Reporter, reached out to Lucasfilm for confirmation, or they reached out to whatever source they have, and they did receive that confirmation. Oh, they did? Oh, Yeah, yeah. I know Variety did. Look at the Variety story. Uh They were reacting to, apparently, um, someone either at Lucasfilm or Disney or maybe even with Ewan McGregor's people, um, they decided to reach out to a lot of different um, uh, news sources, you know, and start spreading the word er, uh, in the middle of last week that Mm. uh, Ewan is in talks for Kenobi film. So naturally, any news source worth its weight is going to follow up and try to get some sort of confirmation from a reliable source within one of those three areas, Disney, Lucasfilm, or Ewan McGregor and his people. So uh, uh, they know who to call, and they uh, will run with the story if they get backing you know they some sort of backup on it and that's what happened with this story so uh yeah it has been vetted that at the very least ewan is in talks to return as the character of obi-wan kenobi and no longer a feature film but now a spin-off series a star wars series on Disney Plus, and uh, also along with that rumor has arisen some information that, and this is all still rumor at this point, but uh, Ewan has been enticed back to the role, uh, not only as an actor, but as a director for a few episodes. And Ewan has been in the director's chair recently. He uh, just was promoting a movie uh, recently that he had directed, 2016's American Pastoral. And, of course, uh, when he was out uh, talking about that film, people naturally all started to ask him about Star Wars. And uh, Ewan has, as we've reported on the show many, many times, Ewan most certainly has indicated that he is more than interested in returning to the role. I think the story between Episode 3 and Episode 4, I think there's a story there. Well, I think that that's the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, if there is one. It's after um, sort of the, the one that bridges my, my Obi-Wan Kenobi and Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And because um, there's, what, 20 years, I don't know how long he's in the desert there, but it's got to be 20 or 30 years. Well, have you had the conversations? Um, I'm not sure that I'm at liberty to say, really. <laughs> But uh, but I'm really I think that I, I'm very interested in doing that. That would be great. Well, I, I would say that, um, like for example, right now I'm at StarWars.com, and I see absolutely no mention of this. No, so of course not. I I just want to make sure that we're being fair here. Uh, this is this is probably what we could call 99 percent confirmed. Well, if uh, this he is signs, as confirmed as it gets, if yeah. he signs, it, but I mean, I think they're going to pull it off. They'll they'll do whatever it takes to get you right. and back, especially now that the story is leaked again, all arrows pointing toward D 23 and yeah. um, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be announced there. It, yeah. It's as close to being a done deal as possible. I understand people, you know, want to stay on the fence and go eh, until I hear absolute confirmation, I'm not buying it. But the weather report says a tornado is coming our way. We're not going to wait for confirmation that the tornado is actually here. We're going to go down the basement and lock up the doors. Yeah, I'm not sure. going to stand in my driveway no, and wait right, for that right, confirmation. Right. Yeah. But uh, as as this show is uh, released, um, D23 will have already 
uh, or likes likely had its um, its Disney Plus panel uh, at three thirty. Is so that when I it's think, happening? Yeah, it's three thirty on Friday. So yeah, our show will be coming out at approximately that time. So uh, okay. So you know what, baloney! I'm getting the show out early this week. I'm, I'm going to get a I'm getting a jump on all this. I'm not releasing the show right when D23 is breaking. The show's yeah, coming out early. It's coming out early this week. So uh, you've been warned. Well, how can right. I warn you? The show hasn't been released yet. But it, <laughs> when you hear this, you'll know. Um. So anyway, there's a story on uh, over at Hollywood Reporter talking about well, what could this what could this series be about and they give two different examples they say could the unforgiven or the untouchables little chicago reference there be reference points for the ewan mcgregor led disney show and um they say it's not inconceivable to think that given the massive budgets disney plus is set for their series that we could see some de-aging effects on mcgregor in order to explore his early days as a jedi apprentice but exploring the jedi's Lost days and transition into a hermit on Tatooine seems more compelling, both narrative and performance-wise. Uh, it's funny that they're even throwing that out as a possibility. I got to admit, it never occurred to me in a million years, and I, I still think that it's 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 very unlikely that we would be seeing you and McGregor trying to reprise, you know, an episode one era or even pre-episode one era Obi Wan, despite the fact that Hollywood is uh, has made incredible strides. In de-aging techniques, uh, we've got a film coming up. It's going to be a Netflix exclusive with Robert De Niro and, and uh, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa, um, where they're using some de-aging techniques. Will Smith uh, has been de-aged uh, recently. I mean, this has been going on. Uh, we've got X-Men films that, is, that have had this. But Jim, from a storytelling st- standpoint, I don't think that's the most compelling place to even begin with an Obi-Wan series. No. And where would you go? I would go right to between uh, the trilogies, between episodes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Episodes three and four. That's yes. the meat. of Right. Yeah. That's where the real story is. John Jackson Miller, who wrote the Kenobi novel that places, you know, an Obi-Wan adventure right into that. That timeline there is uh noting a resurgence in sales of his novel from a few years ago. I think he was at a convention of some sort this week and sold out of everything. So he's yeah. ready for the wave to hit, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But uh, his his novel is great, and so I suggest you check that out. Kenobi um, is the simple name of it, and it really does sort of uh, – it definitely – gives you a taste and a sense of where this Kenobi series could be heading. Of course, the dark times when he's in exile, when he's communicating with Qui-Gon Jinn as a force spirit. Let's see Liam Neeson finally make that appearance as a ghost in Star Wars. I thought we'd see it in episode three for sure, but we never saw it. Yeah, the motorcycle accident. Does well. That's one of the stories, but um, yeah, we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, um, that Liam he was, did some voiceover work, which was on a cut in a cut scene. And remember, he did return to voice the character in the Clone Wars, right? With the right. big uh, Mortis trilogy, and then he came back another time in the season six. So uh, lots of love for Liam Neeson. It's obviously massive. Oh, yeah, sure, you know. 
You know, I've been sitting around waiting for the call. I thought a Qui-Gon series would be perfect. No, 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 it's Qui-John. Oh, yeah, you know, um, I get confused sometimes. I say it the right way and I say it the wrong way. My preferred <laughs> way is Qui-John. Thank you for reminding me of that there, swank old boy. Uh, you know, maybe you and me should get together and have a Guinness and maybe a pack of Marlboros. <laughs> all, right, you, all right, you, all right, all right, Liam, sorry, Liam. Oh, yeah. Got you and on the brain. Well, you know. Um, a, a story that could uh, tie up some of the loose ends about uh, uh, Qui-Gon and Dooku. And I, I would love to see a Qui-Gon series. I'd love to see a Dooku series. Those characters from the prequels uh, where so much was left unsaid. Um, I think it's just ripe with opportunity. But let, let, let's let's. We'll focus here yeah, on sure, Obi-Wan you know. Yeah, Kenobi. get focused, why don't you? You know, you're <laughs> going off on this Qui-Gon trail. They're obviously not going to do that. All right, Liam! Because, Enough. you know, you got to put Kitster in there somewhere, you know. No. no oh, he's we, a fabulous, we, fabulous no, young we, man. We, a... we finally found Kitster. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he, yeah. Anyway, all right, so one of, the, one of the sources that they cite is possibly being fodder for this series. And, and i got to say, I mean, here you got the Hollywood Reporter... Um, Citing all of these different uh, novels, comics that have really chronicled Obi-Wan's days following Order 66. They're, they're throwing out the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnson. Uh, they're throwing out uh, uh, Jason Aaron and Simone Bianchi's uh, Star Wars number seven from the journals of old Ben Kenobi, the last of his breed, going back to 2015. They're also throwing out in the same... Um, Series Star Wars number 20, uh, again, Jason Aaron and Mike Mayhew, where they're talking about how Kenobi becomes uh, something of a gunslinger figure and that the series could easily take place within the time period and allow Kenobi dealing with the growing crime of Moss Eisley while struggling to keep his Jedi past concealed in a reworking of... Clint Eastwood's The Unforgiven. Mm. So if you've got... Now, Kanan kind of had that sort of thing going on where he had to keep his Jedi past uh, hidden. But uh, I love this idea of Kenobi being the... uh, um, uh, Well, yeah, like The Unforgiven. We'll just say the cowboy Jedi. The cowboy Jedi. uh, That's exactly what it is. Well, that's how they promoted Kanan. But did Kanan ever live up to that? I don't think he ever did. I think he was the cowboy Jedi before Star Wars Rebels even began. You know, I would have liked to have seen more of that gunslinger from Kanan. You really don't. To a, a little p- bit in that first season. Yeah, in the first you know, season. There were some cool moments where, you know, he'd kind of look around and he'd grab those that two-piece lightsaber that he had, snap it together, and, you know, make some quick work of some guys. But, uh, but, but you're right. I mean, he didn't really have that man of mystery thing going on. I would like to see a Jedi fully commit to life without the lightsaber. Leave the Mm. lightsaber at home. None of these fancy snap-together models that (laughs) that confuse and conceal. Um, You know, let's leave that home. Let's start a life without the dogma of the Jedi without living Mm. under that umbrella of that constant devotion to being a Jedi. Let's see Obi-Wan struggle with the new normal Mm. life without the Jedi Knights life without the organized 
comforting home of the temple and Yoda and the, and the, the hierarchy with the council and everything and the way they worked with the government. It was all, now he's on his own and yeah, he can practice his spirituality to himself at home. But when he's out and about, maybe Obi-Wan goes through a gritty period where he has to adjust to society and the way things have been shaken up in the post uh, Clone Wars era. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I would love to see that. I, I, I suspect that he, when he's in the Moss Eisley Cantina during the events of A New Hope, that you could take it a couple of different ways. You could say he really understood that he was truly going on his last adventure and he was fulfilling his destiny as the guardian of the son of the chosen one and that that would be the moment where he would say, ah, the hell with it. And he pulls out the lightsaber and he does what he does in the cantina. Or you could assume, well, you know, Every once in a while when the, you know what, hits, when the sugar hits the fan, he pulls out that lightsaber and, uh, and does his thing. Yeah. So, well, there's you know. a lot of speculation that we can throw down about this series, but I really think that maybe we should hold off on that until it's officially announced, which we think will be happening this weekend. And then let's open up the phone lines and hear what everyone else has to say about it, too, because... Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about a series like this, but there's also a lot of news I want to get to this week, too. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I mean, because we could fill a whole show easily. On we could. What we could. could be the Kenobi series. It's going to be a lot of fun to speculate about this series as it's in development and we're waiting for it to premiere. Well, since I'm talking to a Chicago guy, I do have to throw out their other theory. They had two theories. The first theory was the the Western Unforgiven style. The other one was uh, The Untouchables. Mm -hmm. And could Obi-Wan Kenobi be wrapped in some of the plot threads that were uh, opened up in the solo film? Crimson Dawn, the organized crime on Tatooine. Could he find himself ensnared in some of that? So I would love that. Yes. Unforgiven, Untouchables, who, yeah. who knows? I would who love knows? that. I would love the potential of Obi-Wan maybe going off planet and uh, finding an adventure there. That doesn't necessarily have ramifications on the major galactic stage, but maybe it's a more personal adventure. Or maybe even something pulls him into the Death Star. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he sure yeah. knew it wasn't a small moon. And Darth Vader does say, you should not have come back. Now, what is he talking about? Is he talking in broad terms? You should not have come back and made yourself noticeable on the entire galactic stage, or you should not have come back to this Death Star here. And keep in mind, Obi-Wan knew his way around the Death Star pretty well, too. He just needed that quick look. R2, pull up that map there on that screen. He just briefly glanced at it. He's like, oh, yeah, I know where I'm going. (laughs) Been there before. Oh, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi friend Jar Jar Binks, by way of Ahmed Best, uh, took to Twitter to congratulate Ewan McGregor as uh, the news broke that he would be returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. As well he should. Yes. Congrats, my brother, says no, Ahmed no, no. Best. No, that's not what he said. Oh, what did he say? He said, Mr. Congratulating, Mr. Brother. Obi and Fenobi. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Obi. I think that's what he called it. He is. I think Jar Jar is the first 
to refer to Obi-Wan Kenobi as just Obi. Yeah. And then we heard Satine do it in the Clone Wars. But Jar Jar oh, right. is really the one who planted the flag and just Obi. Oh, well, I shouldn't correct him. It's like when people call my son Mike and not Michael. He always wants to correct them. Obi? Oh, I'll just bite my tongue on this. He's calling me Obi. Again. Obi? Your source for the force. Well, we've got um, more about that, I'm sure, that we'll be talking about as uh, uh, this weekend unfolds, D23. Um, another thing that's going to be a big topic at D23 that's confirmed is The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is set to have a big presence yeah. uh, during the Disney Plus panel at D23. John Favreau and Dave Filoni will be on hand for that panel. Uh, I suspect we'll finally get official good quality uh, trailer and behind-the-scenes clips, probably uh, maybe slightly more polished versions than what we had uh, unveiled for us at uh, Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. So we hey, recap uh, what we saw in that panel. We saw a trailer. We yep. saw behind-the-scenes footage. And mm-hmm. we actually saw fully fleshed out, fully produced, edited scenes. Yep. So how are they going to top that act at D23? We've seen so much already. Will we see the same trailer and then it will be released on a broader scale? Was any of that material we saw at none Star of, Wars Celebration? None of, it, none of it has been officially released. Okay. The best you can see is a little, uh, you know, little iPhone handheld I see. captures. All right. Well, I predict we will see a new trailer, a freshly cut trailer that will incorporate elements of material we've already seen in Chicago, along with some new stuff we've never seen before. I know they are not going to go to D23 and show the exact same footage they showed in Chicago. This is too big a stage for Disney. This is their everything, man. It's like in my neighborhood, this is the block party, you know? (laughs) This is the big deal. You make or break your whole year on how you present yourself at my block party in my neighborhood. So that's what's happening with D23. I think they're going to bring some really fresh new stuff. And, of course, we are... How many months closer now? Four and a half months of production has been going on for these episodes of The Mandalorian since Star Wars Celebration Chicago. So they'll have some new stuff to show. We're going to get some fresh stuff. And maybe they'll also release some of the stuff we saw at Celebration. But that won't be their showcase material. They're going to bring some new fresh stuff. They have a big act to follow because the stuff they showed at Celebration I thought was extremely generous so many months away from the uh, series actually debuting. They showed us a lot at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, they they, they showed a ton. Um, and the Hollywood Reporter uh, has a pretty long article interview with uh, John Favreau right on the eve of all of this. And I thought it was interesting. One of the questions they ask him is um, he says... Uh, Bob Iger says Disney Plus is the future of the company, so there is some pressure on this anchor show referring to The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is carrying a lot of the load for how this Disney Plus platform is going to launch. And 
Uh, Favreau says, that's why he's good at what he does. But this feels to me like when we made Iron Man. It didn't feel like the future of Marvel was resting on it, even though the future of Marvel was resting Mm. on it. Because if we failed, they would have lost their characters uh, that were uh, their collateral. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, he he understands that um, the Mandalorian really is the thing that could make or break uh, Disney Plus. It certainly will have a, a, a large role. A lot of this interview features uh, details on the technology and um, how they're using you know, digital sets and things like that. In fact, um, the, 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 he, he answers the question about, well, you know, people are going to hear digital production on The Mandalorian and think, great, we saw digital production in the Star Wars prequels and it didn't look very good. How is this different? And Favreau says, well, I would argue that the prequels are, and Lucas in general is the bedrock that all of this is built on. He is the first person that had digital photography. He was the photography. He was the first person to do completely CG characters. The whole notion of not having even a print version of a film, of having everything be zeros and ones, that was all George. Not to mention Edit Droid, which turned into Avid, Pixar, which spawned out of their laboratories at Lucasfilm, so he is arguably the center of the Big Bang for everything that I'm doing. It's building on the shoulders of what he was able to innovate. And I, I pull that quote because it, it, it's no coincidence to me that a guy like John Favreau is going to hook up with a guy like Dave Filoni who learned literally at the, the knee and the feet of George Lucas, the maker of all of this. So to me... That, that Lucas spirit is so rampant through this series. And Jim, it was there in full display in the footage that we saw. Uh, I think that in some ways, The Mandalorian is going to be the fulfillment of the promise of new Star Wars that began right at the Disney acquisition. For a lot of fans, this is going to be the thing that they've been waiting for. Totally agree, based on the footage we saw at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And with the confidence I have in the creative duo of Favreau Filoni. I love it. Uh, been um, listening to some conversations we've had with Dave Filoni over the years, most specifically during season two of Star Wars The Clone Wars, which featured the debut of The Mandalorians in that animated series. And you can check it out on uh, YouTube at our RFR YouTube channel um, under the Filoni Files playlist. There are a few nice, very solid segments of Dave Filoni talking about Mm. George Lucas and the development of The Mandalorians and their culture based on Filoni's conversations with GL. So I, I find that stuff to be really fascinating as we're ramping up toward the debut of The Mandalorian because Dave Filoni's research goes back well beyond just the last few years. It goes back about a decade. And uh, he talks to us about a lot of George Lucas's vision of what The Mandalorians were all about from Boba Fett's onward so yeah check that stuff out on our our youtube channel and i'm uh, i'm discovering new quotes every day i'm going through a lot of old materials so it's it's very relevant to what's happening in star wars today 
And if you're interested in what a guy like John Favreau thinks about all of the streaming services, Netflix, Amazon, uh, Apple, and you know what, what his take on it is and how it relates to independent films, which is where he cut his teeth, and what he thinks of Elon Musk. I mean, they cover everything. It's a really great interview. Hollywood Reporter with John Favreau, and uh, he's got lots to say about Mandalorian and, uh, and, a, and a whole lot more. But he's a really down-to-earth guy, and I think he's really one to, to listen to when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, shifting gears here a little bit, let's talk about uh, Episode 9, something that I wasn't expecting to hear uh, much about at this point, but we're starting to get some details, is uh, the John Williams score. Mm-hmm. Maybe the final john williams score for a star wars film maybe this final john williams score for any film for that matter the uh, maestro doesn't seem to have um any plans for retirement we know he's slowing down a little bit in terms of his travel a little more difficult uh for the uh for the old man to get around but uh, it's not slowing him down in terms of star wars scoring um his brother don williams was recently at the academy of scoring arts And he said that uh, his brother, John, has written a whopping 135 minutes of music Mm. for the latest Star Wars movie, which, uh, if you do the algorithm right, could push The Last Jedi past the 150-minute runtime mark. 150 minutes. That would put it as the longest Star Wars film ever. And 150 minutes. Yes, but of course, the full score is rarely incorporated into the entire film. You have stuff that gets left behind because of the way the film gets edited. This is truth for every Star Wars film that has ever existed. Well, I shouldn't say every movie, but when you're dealing with John Williams, you take whatever he can put yeah. out there right i don't i, I don't think they're yeah john can we get i don't really like i'm not like this so. but the film goes through the editorial process and yeah. certain scenes end up on the cutting room floor and other beats get removed and things get tightened up considerably and in that case oftentimes the entire score is not incorporated into the film itself you can notice these discrepancies over the years in Star Wars films and the soundtracks that get released to accompany them, there is occasional music you'll hear on those soundtracks that didn't end up in the final film. So uh, yeah. that's just you know the nature of the editorial process. Right. Well, they're just they're just using a calculus based on what how other film scores stack up to the final length of the film, and based on those stats, they're saying that Last Jedi could be as long as. 150 minutes. I, I don't think it's going to be that long, but no. y- 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 you never know. The more interesting thing that uh, Don Williams said, how would you like to be Don Williams, brother of John Williams? Like, you know, like you're, you're going around and you're accepting awards and speaking on his behalf. And you're just like one letter away from being the same guy. When they were kids, one letter away. when they were kids, it was Johnny and Donnie, the crazy orchestra boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did say, he says, I can tell you that every theme that you've ever heard is going to be compiled into this last effort yoda leia phantom darth all of it is going to be in there and then his usual style he hides them so you got to go looking for them so uh this is going to be you know we think about this is the end of the skywalker saga so much of the skywalker saga is told through music so 
This is the end of some of those great familiar themes. Well, I don't know if it's the end, but it's going to be the end probably of John Williams contributing fresh material to Star Wars. I think the themes that Williams has composed are going to probably outlive Star Wars themselves. If the franchise shuts down, you know the music will be still played in football stadiums across the USA. So that's always a thrill at any... uh, college uh, sporting event or pro for that matter so yeah you know the 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 artistry will outlive uh the man and it will continue to be incorporated into star wars in some way always always and and, 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 the force theme and i mean we've seen that that stuff kind of show up in non-skywalker uh canon i guess you might say our non-Skywalker stories. Non-Skywalker um, stories. Those are three words we're going to be latching on to as a phrase going into the future. and uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a scary place for me right now, I'll be honest with you, buddy. Yeah, no, I'm with you. you know, I'm, I'm, we'll see I'm how 100% it, yeah, with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've got some quotes coming up from uh, former slash future Star Wars director Ryan Johnson, as he talks about a Star Wars and the essence of Star Wars and getting beyond the original characters. But before we do that, I do want to throw this out. This was um, kind of interesting, is that there's a there's a book coming out. It may already be on. I don't think so. Um, but um, it, it's called Star Wars, The Secrets of the Jedi. Now, this is one of those... Uh, kind of uh, textbook style things. You, 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 um, we've seen them. The the uh, what, what was the other ones? Um, the the Sith Journal or what, what the hell was it? Called? There was yeah, there was um, a uh, like a, 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 a way of the Sith and the, the Jedi uh, the Jedi uh, journals or whatever. It is. No. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> that's those. I don't know what it's called, but I mean, the Ryan way Johnson, of the Jedi or something. Yeah, well, I've yeah. got it over here. Hold on, let me, let me you have it there, there, don't you? Uh, it's your favorite uh, book. The, you sit down and you yeah, read it yeah, all I the time. The you Jedi sit, path. It's sitting in the lotus I wasn't, position. I wasn't going to let this get away. The Jedi path. Yes, the Jedi uh, path. And, that's the yes, book. Daniel yes, yes, Daniel Wallace. Wallace. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I've got my I've got my my signed copy right here, Daniel Wallace. Um. Yeah, and the Jedi Path and the Sith, whatever the Sith one was, it was the Jedi Path and the, you know, I don't know, the the Sith Road, whatever. But it was written as almost like a a, a textbook where, in the case of the uh, the Jedi Path, it was like a textbook for Jedi, but it had notes kind of scribbled in from various um, famous... Uh, Jedi from Qui-Gon Jinn to Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ahsoka. Um, Ahsoka is in there. So a lot of people, uh, 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 Qui-Gon Jinn, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Duke yeah, King. sure you know. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, pass so this is list. kind of like in that vein. Star Wars, The Secrets of the Jedi. It recounts the entire history of the Jedi Order from Luke Skywalker's perspective. And a preview was released, and, and there, I'm bringing this up because I think that it has potential repercussions what we might see in The Rise of Skywalker. You might be saying, well, how is that possible? Well, Ryan Johnson 
actually cited the Jedi path by Daniel Wallace as being the source for where he got the idea of force backs and also being able to uh, project force projection uh, your, your yourself in another place from someplace else, which we saw Luke do at the end. Um, in fact, he famously tweeted a response when people were saying, how could you do this? We've never seen this before. And I think it was like a series of photos of him going to a shelf and pulling the book off the shelf and then opening up the book and pointing to the page. Do you remember that? Yeah. That yeah. I think like, the caption said, suck on this man, babies. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that have been wondering what Luke Skywalker, or who I should say, Luke Skywalker had been communing with, talking with, after the events of Return of the Jedi, it, it is sort of addressed here in this book. Again, this is Luke Skywalker's perspective, talking about the, in his, the history of the Jedi Order. And here's a quote from Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. that says, um, talking about Force ghosts, Force spirits after death. He says, that knowledge was passed down to a select few, including... Obi-Wan, Yoda, and my father, he writes. Their spirits guided me for many years, but vanished when I shut myself off from the Force. It's a relief to feel their presence after all this time. Mm. Now, the perspective of the book, um, you, you know, you would, as they say in this article, says that uh, it would seem that it, it was Luke writing it down during The Last Jedi as he reopened himself to the Force. But what I thought was really interesting here is he talks about his father, his father was one who he was able to communicate with after he passed away. Think about all the things that Vader slash Anakin knows. What an amazing source of information he must have been for the rebellion as they were in the process of cleaning up and wiping up the remnants of Palpatine's army. Vader would have known all of it. But... Sadly, the conversations went something like this. I hate sand. It gets everywhere. You totally know. (laughs) I know. It's everywhere. It's so itchy. It's everywhere. It's all over Tashi Station when I go to pick up power converters. It gets everywhere. It does. It really does. It gets everywhere. Um, November comes out in November. Oh, so yeah, it's part of the, uh, the lead into the rise of Skywalker, November 19th. Uh, Hey, we promised at the top of the show, we were going to go into the cantina this week and into the cantina we go. Um, so we, after all this conversation, I don't know about you, I could use a drink. So let's pull up some stools. <laughs> let's do it. And let's go in the cantina with uh, star Wars artist, Otis Frampton. <laughs> Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello. Hello. Otis, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Um, We should probably give you a a sense of kind of how you came to... uh, the attention of us here at Rebel Force Radio and the Rebel Force Radio listening audience. We actually had a voicemail that was left 
uh, for us by a fella out in Phoenix. He's a regular listener and a regular voicemail lever. Uh, Eric from Phoenix, we call him. Uh, let's go back and listen. I've always thought the Tuscan Raiders, a.k.a. Sand People, and the Jawas were, were really cool. And, you know, there's really not been a whole lot written about them, like in detail. Like, what do they look like without their cloaks on, with all the wrappings on if you're a Tuscan Raider? And I do know there was a sand person featured... And it could have been in the old, in the um, Star Wars Insider comic book series, in a comic series, or maybe it was in a book or a comic book. I do remember something about that. But anyway, I just, I always thought it'd be cool to dive deeper into the background of these, of these species or what do they look like? What's their story? How did they get on Tatooine? You know, all of that. So we were having a discussion about sand people tuscan raiders <laughs> and mm -hmm. what we really thought their culture might be like because you know anakin skywalker said that they were animals uh and uh <laughs> obi-wan didn't seem to really have a whole lot of love for him either um and so you know eric left that voicemail and what we found is that while there wasn't really a, a comic about tuscans there was one or proposed comic, in your case, about Jawas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, I, I heard the show, by the way, so uh, oh, that was really okay. cool. I really appreciate it. I heard the, the episode. So, I mean, would you like me to like kind of go back and, and talk about how I, I started doing this uh, whole Jawa thing and how I kind of became the Jawa guy? Is that Yeah, how did you become the Jawa yeah. guy? What was it about Jawas? <laughs> yeah. it, it, well, it, it, it's one of those things. I, it, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Inktober. It's this... Uh, uh, annual month-long drawing thing created by an artist named Jake Parker who also does some great Star Wars fan art. Um, and the idea is every day you draw something in ink. And this was like three years ago, I think. And I started drawing during the, that Inktober, I started drawing Jawas. And I really enjoyed it and people seemed to like it. And every time I post a Jawa on like Instagram or Twitter, my you know my likes and my, my views and my follows would just shoot up. And it's one of those things where I loved, I found that I loved drawing them People love me drawing them, so I kind of leaned into it, and I thought, well, this will this will last, you know, for a little bit, and then I'll move on to something else, you know, fan art wise. But I kept finding out that no matter what situation I put these these critters in, it worked. Comedy, <laughs> drama, you know, romance, uh, you know, romance, pa parody. Oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely, sure. There's a, there's, I think there's one of one of my covers shows uh, a Jawa romancing Sidious noodles. So I mean, it, it just always worked. Um, Jawa one of your, uh, I, don't, I don't remember who it was on the show uh, where that that uh, call was uh, came in, but uh, one of you described it or compared it to minions, and I've I've made that comparison mm. myself. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where they're like little avatars, you know? They're, they're just sort of you can put anything onto them, and it works. And so I just kept drawing Jawas, and I, I started pumping out tons of, of drawings. And at a certain point, I really wanted to sort of, you know, try to get use this to to get some work. So I started creating these fake covers for a fake comic series called Jawa Adventures, and I just kept going. <laughs> and now there's there's almost a hundred of them, I think, on my website. Wow. And it's all but covers. Yeah, it, well, for the pitch, for purposes of the pitch, it's all covers. There's a few pages, uh -huh. um, and at a certain point, I think it was early in 2018 or late 2017. I forget. Um, one of the editors at IDW managed, uh, 
found it. Somebody showed it to him. And then the editor of Star Wars Adventures was told about it. And I got an email asking if I wanted to do a backup story. So I, it worked. Like, I mean, I kind of... I kind of lucked into it, and it worked. And I got I got, I got one job so far. Drawing mm. official, official official job was for a backup story in Star Wars Adventures Eight. Um, and after that, I was like, "Well, I'm just going to keep doing this, just in case, you know." <laughs> so I I mean, I'm still doing it. I still have uh, I'm in the middle of deadlines for other things now, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll go back and and keep going. I've got a, I've got two or three more fake Jawa adventure covers in the pipeline. So it's just oh, it's great. something I do I do for fun mainly, but. You know, people seem to like it, so I love it. I'll keep doing it. What I love about it is that you you are unrestricted in the way that you depict the Jawa, especially in relation to the Star Wars galaxy at large, because you put Jawas in any sort of situation. You have mm-hmm. Jedi Jawa, you have X-wing pilot Jawa, <laughs> and I find it all to be very feasible. I find it all to be quite possible. <laughs> You know, I'm on board with it. It's a, a Jawa fishing into the pit of Carcoon and the Sarlacc, <laughs> you know, just sitting there fishing, just minding his own business. And then he takes up the lightsaber and saves the galaxy. Yeah, the Jedi Jawa, I would love to do something with that officially. That would, that's, it's my favorite character so far, definitely. I'm actually doing some, I'm, I'm creating some animation with the Jedi Jawa right now. Some animation. Now, yeah. of course, we talked about um, some of your work in the animated field with the uh, How It Should Have Ended series. Yeah, I, I was one of the artists on the show. Um, I haven't done anything for him in a while, but uh, for about oh, seven years, I was one of the artists, uh, character and background artists. And I think I worked on about 90 or 95 uh, episodes. It was fun. It's a good show. Oh, it looks great, too. It looks really great. As a matter of fact, um, I just recently watched the Rogue One, how Star Wars Rogue One should have ended. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, Jason, what they do is they just take little bits of the film and um, sort of retell the story. And it's very funny. And then they fast forward to other parts of the film. And the way Rogue One should have ended, according to the show, is um, Jin and Cassian are ready to embrace as the uh, tidal wave of destruction heads in their direction. And um, a Jawa all of a shows sudden, up? No, no, oh. I was hoping. But wish, all of a sudden, yeah. um, K2SO shows up. And he reveals that when he was taking all that information from the other Imperial droid, once they had reached the uh, Imperial outpost on Scarif. Oh, yeah. He had yeah. also downloaded his own databank into that Imperial droid. So once he was killed off, he was able to resurrect himself as an identical Imperial droid. So he flies in and he saves Jin and Cassian. And it's happy ending for everyone. Yeah. Because um, you have the... Uh, Oh, uh, 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 Chirrut. Yes, you have Chirrut, <laughs> who um, – I, I was spacing his name for a second. You have Chirrut, who becomes a Jedi, and you have Baze, who just get, gets to continue killing things, so he loves that. <laughs> and it's just a happy ending. But I, I, I got to say – and so I recommend to everyone and, – and you did extensive work on these um, episodes, right, Otis? You, you did the, back, the backgrounds, right? 
Yeah, I actually I did all the backgrounds for that episode for Rogue One. That was a lot of fun. Amazing. W- it looks great. Thanks. Thanks. It looks really great. Actually, we have a little clip here. Can, can we just take a second to play it? Because I, I want to impress on our audience how much fun this show is. Now, we've talked about this before on Rebel Force Radio. Why did the Imperials, led by Krennic, park so far away from the Urso homestead? <laughs> At the beginning of the movie when they landed. And so they have a little debate about it on how Star Wars Rogue One should have ended. We've arrived at Urso Farm. Excellent work, pilot. Now circle around a couple of times and then land extremely far away. Far away, sir? Yes, land like 400 yards away and we'll all walk together in a straight line. It will look amazing. Wouldn't that like give them plenty of time to run away or something or hide? No, it will be intimidating and everyone is going to love it. What did you say? (laughs) Nobody can understand you guys, for real. You don't have to scramble your words all of the time. I said I don't really want to walk 400 yards. Yeah, me either. (laughs) Okay, fine, we'll land right at that doorstep. Jeez, why don't you take the epicness out of everything? (laughs) (laughs) The epicness. Oh, so that's that's, uh, that's awesome. So you can catch that stuff on YouTube, how things should have ended. But you said now you're expanding into other animation and you're bringing the Jawas along with you. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, and it's just for, it's just for fun for my own my own sort of play. I, I don't uh, I'm not really an animator. I, I don't. But uh, I'm, I'm giving it a try because I really want to see uh, my Jedi Jawa in action. So I'm working on something yes. right now. Good. So that's going to be the character featured in uh, the first. In the first one, yeah. The we'll first... see. I mean, it, it's it's just a test, but uh, and it's just for fun. Like all this, all this, it really is. Uh, ultimately, I, I do it because I enjoy it. But uh, I would love to do more with that Jedi Jawa character for sure. Be it comics or animation or whatever. It's just, that, that guy's fun. It's amazing. It's amazing, and I think there's definitely room in the Star Wars universe for a Jawa Jedi. Hey, Otis, when, so you, um, your original generation, original trilogy, original generation, right? Yes. Yes, I am. I saw Star Wars uh, in the first re-release in 78 when I was five and a half. Oh, in 78. Okay. Yeah, I didn't um, see it when it first came out, but the, the, the first re-release in, in 78 is when my dad right. took me to see it. Right. And it came out every year. So what yeah. did you think? Of, do you recall being Kid Otis in the theater? And seeing the Jawa, did you recall any sort of reactions that you might be able to bring back and 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 share with us? Well, yeah, actually, you know, it's weird because my my um my memory of seeing Star Wars for the first time is actually kind of tied to Jawas in a way. It's the moment where the um you know R two's in the canyon and the Jawas pop up and shoot and shoot him, and when he when R two falls over, everyone in the th- I remember everyone in the theater laughing, mm-hmm. and I felt terrible for him. <laughs> I was like oh. devastated for for R two. That's my first memory of Star Wars. Uh, well, I, I mean, from the movie itself. My very first memory of Star Wars is seeing a poster of Darth Vader in my friend's room and just being like, "What is that? That looks awesome." So, but yeah, it, my first my my first memory of the movie is is tied to Jawas. So I guess it's it's fate that I'm stuck drawing these guys. <laughs> and we've heard you from a get- lot of. Uh, people that went on to work in the creative fields do you do you credit being a star wars fan and being so influenced from an early age oh, by absolutely. george's it universe to my, become a change my a, life yeah and 
Yeah, changed changed my life. I was the kid, you know, growing up who would who would draw X wings and Tie Fighter battles on the uh, you know the paper bag covers to his school books, and then the other kids would see it and be like, "Can you do that in my book?" So <laughs> that was that was my childhood was drawing Star Wars stuff for for people, you know. And then someday you thought, well, maybe I can do that for a living, and you've done that. Someday, become a yeah. professional comic book writer. <laughs> well, maybe not Star Wars, but um, certainly you've got a, a list of credits, and uh, you're a professional artist. So there's success to be found there for for sure well, i'm aside from i mean my my uh, my my first uh professional credits kind of came at the same time it was my own comic series and uh excuse me um my first you know pro gig was doing star wars sketch cards for tops for revenge of the sith uh-huh well yeah the, so. the, the tops the the sketch cards for tops has certainly been an entree for a lot of artists to gain uh, some recognition certainly let them play in the Star Wars sandbox. It's really been a, a really great uh, program that they've had. Oh yeah, my, I mean my entire my entire like commission, my life as an artist doing commissions. It, it it's the result of doing sketch cards. That whole world opened up a you know opened up an entire new sort of income stream for me. And and it, if it hadn't been for the sketch card work I did, I mean I, I drew thousands of sketch cards um, when I was doing. A, professionally but that it changed my life it, it i mean it forced me to draw constantly too because you know when you're doing these sketch card sets you're you're at least in the early days you were doing a you know 500 to a thousand cards per set oh wow so it was That's a lot kind of, work. of yeah well you end up doing a lot of really sketchy cards but, but some of them <laughs> you, know, you, you, put, you put a lot of effort into it because sketchy I mean, the, sketch the, cards yeah, yeah. what the, else have you done uh, well, my main my main thing, uh, you know, artist wise, is I'm a I'm a comic book creator. Uh, I have my own series at Image Comics called Oddly Normal. It's a, it's an all ages series, kind of like uh, Wizard of Oz meets Harry Potter meets Monsters Inc. And I've been uh, working on that at Image since 2014. Uh, working on the third volume right now. Um, other than that, I, you know, I, I did how it should end how it should have ended for six seven years. Um, and I do I illustrate children's books. Uh, and you know, mainly comic children's books, you know, that kind of thing. I'm working on on one right now for uh, um, a publisher. It's it's a uh, comic book bio of Walt Disney. So that's oh, that's very cool. yeah, that's pretty fun. Are you also uh, a Disney aficionado or a, a fan of Disney characters and? Uh, in general, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I I'm I'm big enough fan that I, I like. I read the the Neil Gabler. Uh, Disney bio, so I had that going for me when they asked me to do the book. I'm like, well, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of know, I kind of know the story already. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but... so I, I, I like Disney. Um, I was actually, I was one of those people who was very happy when you know the news broke that Disney was buying buying Star Wars because I'm like, well, that's it's in good hands now. So, right. Well, and how has that turned out as far as you're concerned as a Star Wars fan? You mean how? How do I view the the current <laughs> slate of Star Wars movies? Well, I mean, just in general, you know, what, do you have a, a take on, you know, for someone whose original trilogy, I, original uh, generation, which I think Jim will, if Jim has granted me access into the original generation, because <laughs> I saw uh, rumors have it that I was in a theater for Empire Strikes Back. I don't really believe it because I have no memory mm-hmm. of it. Yet oh, really? I remember Superman three in the theater. Um, oh, yeah, sadly. Yeah, sadly. God, I, I saw that last week and I don't even remember. It. <laughs> but That's anyway, painful. oh, I just remembered it was the same guy from the toy. 
Um, that was what, you know, as a kid of the 80s, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what, you know, that's what yeah. Richard Pryor was. That's your favorite record. That's what he was to me. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's the guy from yeah. the toy. But anyway, um, I've really been granted access because I did see Return of the Jedi on its original release. So if you saw Star Wars on its re-release in 78, you're, you're certainly a, a member of the club. But so you've been around for the long haul. You've seen it. You've lived through the original trilogy. You've lived through the prequels, the, the dark times before the prequels, uh, Star Wars animation with the Clone Wars. And here we are in the uh, in the Disney era. You're a, an artist. So you look at things in a in a unique way as as only artists can. And also a Star Wars fan. So I'd love to know what, what's your what's your hot take on the last fi- on the last five years. Well, you know, when it, when it comes to Star Wars, actually, I view it more through the lens of a writer because that's that's. I mean, I, I kind of view myself as a writer who draws. I was really inspired by Lucas uh, as a writer. I remember uh, reading the uh, the, the uh, Lucas's bio that came out. I think his name was Dale Pollock. He wrote it, um, and I mean, I wanted to be a writer as much as I as long as I wanted to be a uh, an artist. So I, when I think of Star Wars, I really think of it from the writing perspective, and. Um, that that said, the original trilogy is you know amazing. Um, I enjoyed the prequels for the most part. Uh, I'm one of those weirdos who Episode One is my favorite uh, prequel. Um, no, still is. Weird. That's not. <laughs> that isn't. Say it loud and say it proud. I, I agree uh, it, with it you is. there it's, on that one, Otis. It, it will always. Ninety nine. The summer ninety nine was it was a special year, a special time for me, and it was it. It still feels. I have nostalgia for it. I I, I like it. Um, Flash forward then to uh, episode seven. Um, I kind of I kind of fell off the Star Wars wagon after episode three. Uh, again, I'm a weirdo. I didn't like episode three. Um, I was kind of disillusioned by Star Wars in general after that. So when when Force Awakens came around, I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, and I remember the lights coming up after the movie and just turning to my my girlfriend my now wife and saying and she said what did you think because she she was you know still a big fan and i was like i think i loved it (laughs) (laughs) force awakens for for a while there was my favorite star wars movie i absolutely just loved it and it was like i I want to jump on into something real real quick otis because this is something we've never really discussed on the show and and i relate so much to the way you reacted to The Force Awakens. And I think that it has a lot to do with the experience of going through the prequels. So, we, you know, we're, we're sadder but wiser, you might say, in some ways after the prequels, in a way. And that, and then Ep7 comes. We've got some of that, that baggage, maybe. Credits roll, lights come up, and you go, I think I really loved this. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt the same way where I think I loved it because I was thinking back to, you know, how I felt yeah. after each subsequent prequel film. So I, I think there's a lot of people listening right now that probably experienced the same feeling. Yeah, it, it was a weird feeling because, I mean, for so many years of sort of not really thinking about Star Wars and other than like drawing fan art, you know, that kind of thing, which I still did. Um, but I mean, in terms of thinking of it as, I got to watch these movies. It, that that wasn't happening for me. I'd go back and watch, you know, Star Wars and Empire every once in a while, um, but it, it just wasn't. It was sort of not off my radar. Uh, Force Awakens, you know, it, I don't, it just. 
I, I loved it. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I, I love the and I love the characters. That was the thing that I, I got from the movie the most. Um, you know, as and again, as a writer, I'm a story and character guy. I, I that's what I latch on to. It's everything else is sort of you know icing on the cake. It's great, but it's story and character for me is everything. And Ray, Kylo Ren, uh, Poe, I loved these characters, and I could not wait to learn more about them. That's that was my my thought at the end of the movie. I can't wait to find out more about these characters because I I just fell in love, you know? Mm-hmm. No Jawas in The Force Awakens. No Jawas. No, I mean, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till The Mandalorian, apparently, to get some Jawas back in the, in the, in the oh, series. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There, there is a one little guy on Jakku who interrupts Rey <laughs> while she's cleaning her scrap metal, and I always refer to him as the metal-faced Jawa. I think I'm the yeah, only one who does Yeah, he might be a relative. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always... I thought he was a Jawa who was off planet and he had to wear that metal mask because if he didn't, he would shrivel up or something because uh, <laughs> ja- the, the planet Jakku has a different uh, atmosphere or moisture or something like that. Well, that's, you know, that's one thing I'd love to explore if, if I ever get to do uh, Jawa adventures is, you know, they, there's got to be Jawas on other planets and they've got to be different kinds of things. I think one of the covers I did was Jawas on a snow planet. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, collecting droids and stuff everywhere. Or maybe on some planets, they're not droid collectors. They're, they collect like creatures and, and sell them in giant uh, you know, zoo crawlers, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true because, you know, you'd have to consider they would be uh, probably a spacefaring species, the way they collect all of their uh, mechanical sure. equipment. And they could probably piece together a Star Destroyer and take off from Tatooine and go see the rest of the galaxy. Hey, Otis, have you ever thought of illustrating a Jawa with his cloak, with the, the hood down? No, absolutely not. That's that would that that's a no no to me. You don't do that. You don't you don't take away the the mystery. Once you take that hood off, the mystery's gone. Yeah, haven't you I ever thinking, wondered? Just come on. Haven't you ever nope, wondered what they nope, look like under there? No, nope, nope, there's pri- there's Otis I'm, has I'm his a, own I'm private a, drawings that he only right. shows to his no. wife. <laughs> of, of a of a oh, de-hooded a... Jawa. Well, yeah, there's maybe other things there, but um, when, when I when I, when I see. Uh, your your Jawa covers and your take on the Jawa. I, I think a little bit of yeah. I, I said minions, and I also think a little bit of Marvin the Martian from Warner Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of a similar. Never. Yeah, you wouldn't want to see him without his hood either. No, you don't want to take that mystery because that's part of the, the the fun of the character. You know, is that that blank slate and those big eyes that are expressive in various ways. It it, it wouldn't work to me if you if you took the hood off. In the same way, I don't want to see what's under the sandcrawler or the oh, sandcrawler the the Tuscan Raiders uh, bandages. I want that to be a mystery too. I like mystery. Don't, now, don't Dark, take it Dark Horse Comics. Dark Horse Comics did go into that territory when they had the license. Did they did they show them with other their, their yeah. uh, yes. bandages? Oh, really? I've never seen that. I want to see yeah. it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of them debanded. Now they had um, a series of really intricate tattoos on their face, and it was a human. And um, the human actually became strong in the Force and became a Jedi. Wait, are you, wait, wait, are you talking about a Jawa or a Tuscan Raider here? I'm talking about a Tuscan Raider. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jawa. I, oh, I switched over to Tuscans. No, no. Otis, Otis has the market cornered on Jedi Jawa. Okay, all right. So we're talking about the the, the Tuskins. 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 Right. 
Well, because yeah, Otis said he wouldn't want to see what's underneath there. And I'm just saying that Dark Horse did reveal that with the uh, character Asherad Het. Yeah. And, and his son, Sherrod Het. The other thing that I was thinking, Otis, as I was looking at these covers and, and trying to kind of get a sense of what it might be if you had, you know, uh, if you could wave a... Your hand, not, not a magic wand. You could wave your hand in the force and give yourself uh, maybe an animated series uh, in the Star Wars universe with these Jawas. Um, is it kind of a, a tag and bink kind of thing? Would these Jawas just always be sort of on the other side of the camera of events that we've seen in the Star Wars saga? Or would you want to have them doing something completely new? Because I love the way your covers plop them into some of these familiar situations. Well, um, you know, I would. It would be a variety of, of things. It'd be. It'd be. It'd be that. I would. I'd like to. Um. You know. Show the Jawa point of view of certain things we've already seen in the Star Wars movies, and then I do. I do original. You know. Stories that sort of expand on on their own. You know. Mythology. Um. Uh, one thing I want to say. I don't know if you guys uh, saw all of them. To be honest. Um. If you go to my my pitch page and you scroll down to the the bottom, there's a little you know see more button. I'm not sure if you guys saw, saw all of them. To be honest. I don't I could think be wrong. I clicked the, I, I don't think, think I I've clicked the show more. You have yeah, like a hundred. Oh, okay. Now all right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now there's, there's, there's a lot more. more. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 mashups with Indiana Jones. Yep. Oh, the yeah. little weird droid from the black hole is in one there, of them. There he is with uh young Lando. Uh the one that I think that I did really an action figure one too. That's one of my favorites. Oh, an action figure one. Where's the... It's next to the Lando one. <laughs> Look at that! Yeah, with the card and the yeah. oh, that'd be great. There's an old the, Jawa. I built the Jawa in 3D in in uh, in um, ZBrush. That's a real 3D model. Oh, really? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot oh. of fun to do. And you're really, really going into uncharted territory here <laughs> with number 59, where you have this old Jawa with a, a big gray beard that would make ZZ Top blush. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know things you don't normally expect to see. Well, I had to I had to show a way of, of 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 showing an old Jawa, so I like had to have tons of patches on his outfit, and I thought oh, it'd be fun to have a big beard growing under that hood. You know, it makes you wonder what else is under there, but I'll never show it. Now, there's there's <laughs> there's one uh, that really jumped out at me, especially in light of recent events. I'm sure you've heard that we're likely days away as this podcast goes live of getting official confirmation of the green light of a uh, live action television series maybe a limited mini series of the adventures of obi-wan kenobi after he's yeah. marooned there on tatooine and you have a cover where you got uh sort of uh you know a, a uh, ewan mcgregor style obi-wan uh mm -hmm. getting directions <laughs> which i like from one of the javas yeah that the that version of obi-wan is sort of it's based on this uh 3D statue that that um, this amazing 3D artist created a number of years back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> was that a Jawa? Was that a Jawa, was a Jawa. Are you a Jawa? Hello, Daddy viewers. Uh, Subscribe hi. to Robo Force Radio. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. That was uh, that's 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 very Jawa. Yeah. Very Jawa. Yes. We we got ourselves yes, a Jawa sir. here just for Love you, me. Otis. We knew you were awesome. coming, so we booked a Jawa. I told the kids, I said, because we're recording the show earlier these days, I said, you can come down and tell me goodnight, you know, and it doesn't, don't, doesn't matter. So, all right, oh, that's back my to our, that's my, that's my, that's my demographic. The kids always sort of flock to me, so that's cool. All right. Well, um, they must have known you were on the yeah. air. Sorry about that. Go ahead. That's all right. Uh, what I was saying was uh, that the, ver the version of Obi-Wan on that cover uh, is based on this sculpture that this amazing 3D artist created that was sort of, you know, 
uh, he wanted to show what Obi-Wan might look like as a wanderer on Tatooine. You know, he's got the big backpack on. He's got the Tusken Raider rifle that he poached from somebody. He's got you know, a piece of his armor from the Clone Wars. It's an amazing statue. I wish I had a link to it handy, but um, he actually did two different versions. He did a version of with Ewan, and he did a version of, of a younger Alec Guinness, and it was amazing. And so that's what I based that on. So... Um, I thought it would be, be fun to, to show him, you know, getting directions somewhere from a, from a Jawa. So why well, not? How can you not do the live-action Obi-Wan series? I can't wait. And that's not have series. some that's Jawa the, in there, yeah. some Jawa yeah. action. Yeah. That's the TV show that, or the, you know, whatever whatever version it, it – whatever form it takes – the Obi Wan, the the Obi Wan between the trilogies is is the story I've been waiting for. I, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. I, I saw something that said that uh, apparently Ewan's gonna be directing a couple episodes too. Yeah, that's a rumor. Yeah, that's a rumor. Um, what do you think? Any speculation? Are we gonna see some um, leftover material from the Solo film with Darth Maul and the Crimson Dawn and all that kind of infiltrating Obi Wan's solitude? Um, I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, there, there's all kind of great stuff you can do. Do you think there's room for an adventure, an off-planet adventure, while Obi Wan is out in exile? That's something that takes him off-planet. That oh, may, sure. you know, it may not necessarily be for the cause of freedom of the galaxy. It could be just a very small story where he's trying to help some people, and that pulls him off-planet. And it's yeah, I can see that happening. Out, because I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, my extra thing I always like to throw in there is um, somehow Obi-Wan ends up on the Death Star because I always thought of that line from Vader when he confronts Obi-Wan in A New Hope and says, you should not have come back. Most people look at it and say, well, he's addressing Obi-Wan's return to the galactic scene in general, you know, on the big stage. But I think he's being very specific. You should not have come back to the Death Star. Mm, I, I, I would... Uh... I'd say it's it's more of a general thing because he did, he seemed really surprised when when he when he declared that it was a space station. It didn't seem like a familiarity to me. But I mean, I can well, see him going. I can know, see him though. going off world. Um, I mean, look, if there's one thing Obi Wan's good at, it's sneaking around. You know, he's like the expert sneaking around guy. If you watch him in Episode Two and Episode Four, that's that's what he does a lot of the time. So I can see him going off planet and sneaking around doing stuff. Yeah. He has that little trick where he snaps, yep. and it sounds like it's coming from the other side of the room. <laughs> it's the ventriloquist snap, and yeah. he does that. He does that to the stormtroopers, the uh, TKs over by the, uh, the the tractor beam on the Death You know stars. who was really good at that? Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Remember how he used to always <laughs> throw his voice? I used to try to do that. Like, How does he throw? Who knows how to throw their voice? Well, I think Shaggy was a Jedi. I mean, <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> He may, he probably thought he was. Yeah, mm. I, yeah right. Yeah, if you uh, yeah, well, I never <laughs> eating up Scooby snacks. <laughs> yeah, a few quote unquote Scooby snacks. So um, we we've kind of uh, skipped over a, a couple of parts as we kind of go through your history as a Star Wars fan and as again as an artist. I'm I'm curious. Uh, did you go back? It sounds like you kind of skipped the Clone Wars era and the era of Rebels. Did you go back and revisit some of that? animated work uh once you got back into star wars after the force awakens or were you peripherally um looking at it when it was going on and to add on to that i want to know why you were turned off by revenge of the sith specifically well to answer the first uh part i i I watched clone wars a little bit 
at first, and then I kind of dropped out. And then, yes, I did go back and I finished the series um, after Force Awakens. Um, I, I still haven't finished Rebels, I, uh, to be honest. Um, it partly is because I've just been busy. To be, I mean, and I, I don't watch a lot of new TV these days. I, it, I, it's just the way it is. Once you, once you, I found that once, once you get into the business, um, you have little time to actually consume the stuff you, <laughs> that used to inspire you. Yeah. Just one of those things. Um, uh, what else did you? What did you ask? I'm sorry. Why, um, why did you hate Revenge of the Sith? So much? Oh, I, well, <laughs> what turned you um, off? I thought it. I thought it was damaging to the original trilogy story-wise. Uh, the the contradictions that it that it created with um, with Padme and her death, uh, and and from the Jedi, the the fact that Obi Wan and Yoda just sort of gave up. That didn't make any sense to me. It, I thought it damaged their characters in the original trilogy. Um, the fact that Obi Wan just sort of dropped Luke off with no explanation and then just went away didn't make any sense to me. I, I thought the the story of Episode Three was just really damaging, and it it turned me off. It's an interesting perspective it to is. hear because most people consider that to be the superior of all the all the prequels. Um, so they are entitled to that opinion. <laughs> it, it's interesting to, to hear you articulate that. And I have to say, uh, something I've always wondered is why didn't Obi-Wan and Yoda face the Emperor together? Why did they have to split up? They, they didn't have to. That's 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 another thing that bothers me. Also, why didn't they just go off and raise Luke and Leia as their as Jedi? What there was no explanation given for really separating them and and my two two jedi dads yeah sure why not (laughs) go off and hide up instead they they give one to one of the most you know prominent senators in the galaxy and they give the other to the to people you know who keep his last name i it just oh don't get me started (laughs) well you know here's the thing you hide things sometimes right under their noses it's the last yeah and then then some but other times you you hide them better yeah that's true. That's true. I, 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 here's my my opinion about the whole thing. I, Lucas, I mean, they were Lucas was creating the original trilogy, movie by movie. He he had sort of an idea, but I mean, the, the movies are written individually, uh, progressively, and then when he had to go back, I don't think he really, I don't think he cared so much to to make everything connect completely logically. I think he just he said, I just need to make it connect. I just need to make everybody have uh, get into the places that they need to be at the end of this episode to match episode four without really thinking about it and saying, well, this needs to make sense. Logically. He just said, we'll just, we'll just finish it. Yeah, I you think, know, I, I think you're right. Otis. I, I think that there, that George, George is the ultimate rebel in a lot of ways. And I think he also in the, in the same way, he didn't want to be beholden to the expanded universe as he was mm-hmm. thinking about, writing further adventures of uh, Luke, Leia, Han, you know, prior to the sale of Disney, the same way that he was uh, didn't want to be beholden to comic book artists and writers and novelists as he was thinking about the prequels. I don't think he wanted to be beholden to himself. Yeah, in I a way. totally agree. Yeah. Which is just yeah. that's just George. I don't I, I'll, I'll go even further. I don't think he felt like he needed to even have things make sense movie to movie in the prequels because there's stuff that's just like, wh- why didn't you follow up on this? I think he did, was just like, I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell and I'm not really going to be concerned about if it matches completely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it, it, it gives us, I mean, we can, we can complain about it, uh, <laughs> but we can, also, we can also have a lot of fun discussing it, retconning it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's still um, an, an incredibly compelling story. And we're, you know, here it is, how many years later we're, we're still talking about it. Uh, I would ask you, if if you don't mind, let's just keep kind of going. And here we are. We're in the aftermath of of The Last Jedi. We're in the aftermath of the, of Solo and looking forward to The Rise of Skywalker. So where are you in terms of your fandom and how you're feeling about the present and the, and the near future here? I'm back to cautiously optimistic as far as episode nine is concerned, um, I was very happy to hear that JJ was coming back. I'm like, Oh no, I was just very happy. Let's put it that way. Um, these days, uh, when it comes to star Wars, um, my wife and I have, have, have a tradition. We watch star Wars movies on, on new year's Eve. And for the last, well, I guess just for the last couple of years, we've really only watched the original trilogy, mm-hmm. but this last year we did something new, which, is the way that I kind of think of Star Wars now. We watch what I call the, the Solo story. We watch Solo, uh, episodes four, five, and six, and The Force Awakens. And that's our Star Wars now. You did that all in one night? Yeah. Oh, nice. The Solo early. Saga. I think, <laughs> the I think that's saga. the first time I've heard of the Solo, the solo cut. Yeah, the solo pretty great. Saga, yes. The, you know, they called – there was the, uh, the machete. Machete. Yeah. Machete uh, order. I think, yeah, the Machete Order. Now we're talking about the Solo Saga Order. I'm going to have to do that sometime. I like that idea. Solo cut. Yeah. Well, well you know, I mean, now that now that there's 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 enough movies in, in the Star Wars canon now that you can kind of do that kind of thing in the same way that with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you can watch, you know, the Iron Man story. You watch the Captain America story. You can you can break it up into certain – you can watch the Scarlet Witch Saga, you know, and you, <laughs> you can make those choices. And you can, and when I realized I can do this, I can do the solo story and just see the story of my favorite character in the entire series from, from young – to his death, and wow. it works really well. Since you laugh. mentioned New Year's Eve, I got to ask: Have you ever blown up the Death Star at midnight? <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, uh, Jimmy that, Mac. That that's a cue. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, this is an old tradition of mine, going back to the '90s, actually, with uh, VHS. Um, my family and I would uh, stay at home on New Year's Eve, and we would press play on oh, New yeah. Hope. And time it out so that the Death Star blows up at exactly the stroke of midnight. We've been doing it now for 20 years. Uh, all the information and uh, instructions are available at rebelforceradio.com if uh, you care to mix it up a little bit this year. On well, New you know, if you're not doing the laugh it up fuzzball saga, you can. Uh, <laughs> no, it worked that way because you just got to start early and then you got to time it for the Return of the Jedi Death Star blow up at, at midnight. And so you can you can then you can watch the last movie in the in the, in the series, which is Force Awakens. You can do that. You can do that. Or I would just time it out so he says laugh it up fuzzball right at midnight. Sure. So, uh, that's how you know. No, but uh, you're right. Um, and we have done it once. We did it with Return of the Jedi uh, to have the, the Death Star blow up at midnight. But there's just something so special about A New Hope is after the Death Star explodes, it's minimal dialogue and the music kicks in and there's a big celebration and it sure. just all seems to work real nicely. That's but, some deep uh, fandom you got going on. Oh Well, I'm not the one doing the solo cuts. <laughs> I, I would take that as a compliment. Uh, well, 
we all have our we all have our our deep fandom. I guess it's true. Yes, to each our own. Um, but uh, yeah, um, you know, there's one other thing I want to throw at you here uh, while we can. Otis, is it's it's a tradition. It's a traditional thing we do here at Rebel Force Radio. We have a set of questions. And uh, these questions were actually compiled by Yoda himself. This is the Yoda questionnaire. And uh, we uh, offer these questions to... Whoa, sorry. Whoa. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. I had one that of those. Was my, uh, yeah. Mine was a two-legged kid, but... You have to edit that out. That's pretty loud. Sorry about that. No, don't worry. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, we're dog people around here, you know, or, or wampas or whatever you got on your... Uh, uh, hanging out in your house. But we have these questions, and they're just very straightforward questions about the Star Wars saga, and also very fun when we throw them all at you at once. So uh, so what do you say, Otis? How about uh, we, we toss the Yoda questionnaire in your direction right now? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Um, Jason, do you have the questionnaire handy? I do. I do. Okay. So we're, right. we're, we'll right. start let's, off. Yeah. We'll start oh, off let's fairly do easy. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, Otis, what is your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, that's a, well, I already spoiled it. It's uh, definitely Han Solo. Um, Han but Solo. Uh, I, I guess, you know, sec- the secondary would be, you know, any, any Jawa I'm drawing at the time. Oh, okay. So your own Jawa. But def- definitely Han Solo. And do you have a least favorite Star Wars character? Least favorite Star Wars character. Uh, I, I I guess I'll open this can of words can of worms. It's it's Rose Tico. Oh wow, you really stand on an island there. Yes, yeah, that's a bold thing to say. I've never heard anyone say anything like that before. No one has what, the guts. What's next? what's next? Jar Jar. My, uh, actually, no, I like Jar Jar. I do. I, I have a six oh, foot right. cardboard standee of Jar 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 from Toys from KB Toys. So I'm. Hey, we we uh, we love and appreciate all answers and all fans here. At, uh, I know I'm going to catch you for that, but just let me say, let me let me defend my, my my answer here. My objections are again from the perspective of a of a, of a writer. I think she's a poorly written character. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. there are no wrong answers. No, all right, Yoda questionnaire. No, none. Uh, what is your favorite Star Wars line? When you go back and you listen to the movies, what's the line that is your favorite that you never get tired of hearing? Uh, it's actually it's actually from Star Wars Episode One. It's my favorite line in the entire series. I think it's the most profound thing that George ever wrote in, into the series. It's your focus determines your reality. I, I think about that line all the time because yeah. it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, no, you you and me are, are connecting on many different levels. Here. <laughs> Watching Star Wars movies on New Year's Eve. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace. Otis is going to be co-hosting Rebel reality. Force Radio here next week, I think. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Otis. There was a time when I was, uh, I, I work in radio, and the station I was working at for CBS closed down. And I went through probably the most extensive period of being unemployed in my adult life. And I remember I had gone through a series of job interviews with a broadcast company, and I was 
shopping. I was grocery shopping and the phone call came in on my cell phone and it was the, the manager. And he told me that they were uh, going in a different direction. And uh, I really thought I had the job locked down and I was looking forward to getting back to work because you go through a series of depressions when you're not working. And I just remember hanging up and instead of being devastated, I literally, well, not literally, but I heard the words of Qui-Gon Jinn in my head. (laughs) Your focus determines your reality. And it really resonated with me in a big way and helped me get through the disappointment of not finding a job, saving me from months of depression. And it it really, really instructed me to keep my chin up and to just be assured that as long as I keep a positive mental attitude – things will turn out positively for me in my life. And they did. And everything has worked out wonderfully since then. I have no complaints. My life is full of fulfillment and love and joy. And it's all because of the words of Qui-Gon Jinn. The focus <laughs> determines your reality. That's I mean, really, it takes, it's a very, no, it is. It's great. It's, all it takes. Yeah. it's yeah. a, Good very, philosophy. a yeah. very Zen thing uh, to consider. And, um, uh, something that I've been able to really appreciate, especially in my adult life. I, I don't think it resonated me I, as much. When I first saw The Phantom Menace, I was still a, a young dude. I wasn't even a father yet. And um, and then, uh, you know, it, it, as you grow and you, you gain all these responsibilities, like little nuggets of of uh, information like that really help you get through your day. So as a matter of fact, I, I posted that as Monday Motivation on the Rebel Force Radio Twitter account last week. Your focus determines your reality. So, good job, Otis. <laughs> All right. And is there any, a... any more? Yeah, go oh. ahead. Okay. Any more questions? Oh, was... yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Go. Got a no, few no, more. I just was pontificating. That's, that happens sometimes during the. I, yeah, I've heard the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. All right. <laughs> What? Yeah, you're fit. Otis, you are really fitting in right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What Star Wars line makes you cringe? Do you not like? Do you like oh, how'd they write that? Oh, geez. You're gonna you're gonna make me do it again, aren't you? You're gonna make me Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm sensing some Tico. Tico's coming. You know what it is. All right. Uh, Give it to us though. Give it to it's, us. It's uh it's you know, I've only seen, seen the movie it. once, so I, I I'm I'm probably gonna have to paraphrase it, uh-huh. but it's something like we don't fight the things we hate. We save the things we love or something like that. Yeah. Right. That's what, you know what? See, now I have to correct you because you're wrong. That's not the worst Rose Tico line. The worst line is when she says she's doing talking, doing talking. I don't remember that. I must've blocked it. She gets nervous uh, when she meets Finn. Oh, well, who would uh, she says something about, uh, their conversation refers to it as doing talking. I work behind pipes all day, doing talking with resistance heroes is not my forte. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that is the worst. Uh, you know, I own the movie on iTunes. I just haven't watched it again. Mm. Mm. Did you see it in the theater? I, I did. I saw it. One, I, I've seen, it's the only movie, Star Wars movie I've only seen once. I saw it in the theater on opening night. And then you bought it on iTunes, though. Well, here's the thing. I tend, I can, I sometimes buy movies on, you know, iTunes or Blu-ray if they have uh, j- just for the extras, you know, the bonus features, oh, commentaries, okay. and stuff. Yeah. I love behind-the-scenes stuff, and so I bought it thinking, well, I'll watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I'll get something from that because even, even bad movies have some good stuff in the behind-the-scenes stuff, and you can, you know, glean some. Storytelling, you got to figure out you know. why this happened. 
<laughs> and I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I bought Battle, I bought the Battlefield Earth DVD for that purpose. Um, but <laughs> no. I, <laughs> Oh my God, I, I still haven't watched the Last Jedi stuff. Well, you know what's hysterical along those lines? If you're a Batman fan, listen to the uh, watch the documentary on the Batman and Robin movie, and listen to uh, oh, Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher awesome. just Terry. totally just yeah. he just dishes on that whole situation. It's great. He's so honest and open. I yeah. love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, totally. That sounds good. Oh yeah, it's just a total description of a dumpster fire. It's, yep. I love how he talks about how the the studio made him do things because it was toyetic. Yeah, you know? toyetic. Toyetic, yeah. <laughs> they had the people right there from Kenner, oh, right terrible. on the set of the movie as they're yeah. making it, picking and choosing and saying, no, you got to use this. This is more, more toyetic. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. No, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay, uh, we just got a couple more here. Um, okay. What Star Wars moment always makes you smile? Hmm. It can't be Jawa. It can't no. be Jawa. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm putting that in there. Yeah. Non-Jawa uh, answer. No Utini, no nothing. I'm taking all that away from you. That's a tough one. Yeah. A tough I mean, which one? Which, which moment always just gives you that little warm feeling? You know, it makes you smile. It gives you that. You just always love. Oh, I love this part. It's coming up. Man, I, uh, I that's think a, we that's a really, I really did because there's I mean there's for the I mean for the movies in the series that I love there's there's so many so many there's so many the Force Awakens to me has probably the most moments like that I mean well give the, me one of them the, the the moment that they that the I'm sorry Ray Ray and Finn are running towards the the ship to to get it off of, of Jakku mm-hmm. it blows up and and they so and they and they're like. You know the the garbage will do or whatever garbage the will do. Is. Yeah, and they turn and you see the Millennium Falcon and you hear that that music. That yes. is that's a smiling see, moment. I for see me. there you go. Just you describing it. I'm, this is no BS. I got goosebumps. That's I, a great I mean, that's it's it is such a great movie. Um, all right, which Star Wars moment makes you sad? Now that could be both <laughs> whether you're you're sad because you're. <laughs> <laughs> you can interpret that any way you want. Which Star Wars moment makes you sad? I'll go with the the kind uh, interpretation. Okay. Um, it's definitely in Empire. It's it's the moment when um, uh, Han after Han has been frozen in carbonite. It's the moment when the Ugnats push over the carbonite block and it hits the hits the deck mm. and it cuts to Leia and you can just see the pain in her eyes. Oh, it's so- that's. It's one of the most you know devastating moments in the, in the series to me. That's a Her first. Man has become, a, that's a good one because the dull metal thud. Yeah, that the sound. The block hits the floor of the carbon sh- freezing chamber, and she's like, "My man is a paperweight." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got one last one for you, and uh, if there was another Star Wars movie made. And you were cast in it, and George Lucas directed it. What would you like to hear him say to you right after he says, cut, on your last scene? Probably, um, you should have been faster and more intense. There it is. There it is. Wow. Otis Frampton, ladies and gentlemen. He's not fast nor intense. <laughs> He's uh, Otis. You, you gotta check out. 
you got to check out the website, otisframpton.com. So it's like Peter Frampton, only Otis, uh, the spelling. No relation, right? Yeah, and, and I'm not from the South, by the way. Uh, I, the, howdy was oh, just, that uh, was, you know. yes, that was... <laughs> Oh yeah, we, sure, yeah. We yeah. did. We did give you kind of a, a Steve Glosson sort of, uh, uh, yeah, Tennessee honey kind of yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. we there laid the molasses on pretty thick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it this- is. I can't tell you how nice it is to get to know you, Otis, and uh, to see your work and the the type of Star Wars fan that you are. We really, really appreciate it. Congratulations on all the success you've had and uh, continued success we'd love to have you back on rebel force radio just to talk some more star wars with you and that, that'd be great I, thank you very much for having me on it it's you know like i like i said in in my uh, my email back to you you know i subscribe, subscribe to the show i listen it's a good show great show i i really love um you know hearing people talk about star wars on on your show so thank you so much for having me on so i could do a little bit of it myself yeah. Awesome, Otis, my man Otis, do you get a lot of people throw an animal house the animal house yes the yeah Wait till yeah. Otis sees us. He loves us. <laughs> Otis, yeah. my man. I get it all the time. Otis, my man. Yeah, Otis, stay in the nights. <laughs> Great movie. Great conversation. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us in the cantina, Otis. Uh, much appreciated. OtisFrampton.com is the place. And uh, go check out those Jawa adventures. I really think one day they'd make a, a great uh, series of trading cards, all of these covers you did. So uh, maybe uh, someday. Fingers crossed. Someday. Yep, thank you very much. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, Otis. Bye-bye. Wait till Otis sees us! He loved us! That's going to wrap things up for this week. And uh, we still didn't get to it all. My, there's just so much to talk about. Never a dull moment, never a dull week. And with D23, as we said, happening this weekend, we're going to have much more to talk about. And uh, we're looking to open some phone lines when we join you next week to hear what you think about it. You've been listening to us long enough. We want to listen to you. What do you think about the big news about the Kenobi series and all the other things that are likely to break this weekend. Could there be a trailer? Could there be a sizzle reel? What? And that's just for the rise of Skywalker. What do they have in store? What if they dropped a teaser on that Kenobi? Can you imagine there was a Kenobi teaser of some sort? I mean, you've no. been talking to these guys for a long time. No way. I, I don't, I, I'm just. That would be shocking. That would be absolutely shocking. Well, remember the motion poster that they did for Rogue One? There was no talk of Rogue One before they showed that motion poster. You're right. Using existing elements, they could create something. It can be done. Yeah, there's footage. We know that there's uh, footage that they got there in Tunisia. Additional stuff that they did with uh, Ewan. And the passing of the twins. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Never know. Lots of great stuff. All right. Big thanks, by the way, to our guest this week in the cantina, Otis Frampton. Don't forget, check out Otis's work at otisframpton.com. And especially those uh, 
the Jawas. They're so, so funny, and uh, he he conveys so much in just those those covers. And I would love to see that evolve into something else. Uh, but all his work can be found there at his website. Um, so great to be with you. Um, we'd love to uh, welcome you aboard our Patreon club. Our little club of supporters there at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. A great way to make sure that you never miss an episode of Rebel Force Radio, including bonus content like RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, RFR Q&A. And with the release of The Rise of Skywalker, I'm sure there's going to be a Rebel Force Radio meetup and event somehow tied to that film. And if you're a Patreon member, you can get early access into that event and uh, probably pre-sale opportunities, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you do that. Uh, also, we'd love to have you uh, email us or uh, leave us a voicemail. That feedback can be sent to us at show at rebelforceradio.com or the voicemail line 708-320-1RFR. That's 708-320-1737. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on your podcatcher of choice. If you're an iPhone user, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you're into that uh, that Android thing, you can find us on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify. Streaming at WGNplus.com. Don't forget about our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com slash Radio. Lots of great content there and more surprises along the way official website for all things and everything rebel force radio rebelforceradio.com and if you have the opportunity to leave us a review or a rating we'd love to have it just one rule please make it good all right that's it for us we'll see you next time here on rebel force radio for rfr i'm jason i'm jimmy mack and remember the boss will be with you always Do 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 do